Hello friends. Before we begin today, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves, their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Not all abortions are by choice due to financial or private reasons. Many are medically necessary and without one, pose a significant health risk to the mother. Though the reasonings range, this difficult decision should ultimately be left to choice by a mother and her doctor. Not the government, not depending on where you live, not depending on who you are. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. We encourage you to speak up, to take care, and to spread the word. Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. What's going on, fellow warriors? I'm joined here today by my beautiful wife, Connor. Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so good. I'm happy to be here with you and chatting about some cool stuff. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot today from you because you're so full of knowledge and beauty and all of it. Thanks, babe. That brought a huge smile to my face. Yeah. Yeah. So first thing we're going to talk about is a couple days ago, what was that? Two days ago, we uh, smoked a chicken. We haven't done a smoked chicken in our smoker yet. And it was a whole chicken from, guess where? Apsy Farms. That's right. We're going to talk about Apsy Farms for a second. Some of you have been ordering Apsy Farms. We want to say thank you. Thank you very much. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, your health is going to appreciate it even more because this meat comes from a pastured and regenerative agriculture-focused farm. All the animals are happy out in open fields eating natural things, grass-fed, grass-finished. It just doesn't get any better than that. All the chicken, the pork, and the uh, beef. Go to apsyfarms.com and you can build your uh, lovely meat bundle. And when you go to check out, make sure that you use code WARRIOR10 and you'll get 10% off your first order. Right now, they're shipping to most states in the Midwest due to the summer heat, but they will be shipping most to most of the country once again in the wintertime when it's easier to send frozen items. <laughs> so, yeah, we greatly enjoyed that smoked chicken. Um, it's going to make some awesome bone broth which is going to be great. It's great. It's actually, when we were last there, it's been cool to see them expanding their enterprise. 
Yeah, they have like lots of employees now, and it's like a it's a pretty well oiled machine getting orders out because they're they're very busy, which is great to see. It's really really great to see. So another exciting thing uh, that's happening. This we're almost at the end of the month, and at the end of each month, we put in our wonderful Earth Fed Muscle order. Connor, what are some things you're excited about in our order this month? Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot this week, especially because last next week is the last week of this month, which means it's time for another order. You know, I just want to say real quick, it's crazy. It's already almost July, and we're seven months into 2022. Um, man, life is just cruising by. It's it's pretty wild how fast things things seem to go right now. <laughs> I agree. But I started making a little mental list of what I wanted from Earthfed Muscle. I think I'm definitely going to get more greens powder. I like the greens powder a lot, especially when we travel or go camping. It's an easy way to get some greens in while you're on the road. And then I think I'm actually thinking about trying their plant-based protein powder. I know oh. I know bones really likes it and so i think i want to give that i think i want to give that a try how about you i'm always excited to get more 40 winks and i am probably in the market for some more protein as well um otherwise the normal you know our multivitamin the 40 winks and i think we're going to do some krill oil this month which um when we take when i take i've been taking a little bit more of that on a daily basis and actually the up dosage does seem to make a pretty big difference I would normally take two, uh, what I think they're 500 milligram capsules, and I started taking three, and I that extra 500 milligrams really seems like it does make a difference. Because before that, I was kind of like, man, eh, I don't know, I don't really feel a big difference. So to actually notice something was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, most people don't take enough of that, but this what you just said is kind of a big deal because. You're you're switching brands. Yeah, I've been getting Jocko Krill Oil for like two years now, and uh, Earthfed Muscle does it, and we have a partnership with Earthfed Muscle. That being said, like Jocko Krill is great. All of the Jocko supplement line is actually really high quality, but unfortunately, uh, we have not been able to set up a partnership with Jocko yet. So. <laughs> we're uh we're gonna work on that, but in the meantime, Earthfed Muscle, I. I think that there's a there's a big movement returning back to natural wholesome ingredients especially in supplements and bigger companies are starting to do it like First Form is a big one right now that's doing really high quality uh supplements in general Jocko's company which makes everything in between you know krill oil protein powder pre-workout all that stuff is all high quality ingredients and then of course Earthfed Muscle um which is a smaller company that we love um, and we just have sort of moved all of our supplement needs to them for the most part. So, so when you go check out at earthfedmuscle.com, after you put some protein powder and some creatine and whatever else you might need into your cart, use the code again, warrior10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. Let's get right into it. Um, Connor, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so I had this really great opportunity to meet with a group of 
nutrition and health coaches and facilitate a session on common scenarios that we tend to see over and over again when working with clients. So as a coach, when we get these scenarios, we tend to take the same approach in how we're coaching these clients through these topics. And that can get really dull and boring from a coaching standpoint. And so what I was able to do is talk about fun and different approaches that coaches can try when they're coaching people through these things. And I thought it would be fun to do it on the podcast because as a listener, a lot of these topics will resonate with you because they're pretty common and it's human nature to experience some of these challenges and struggles. And taking some of these fun or different approaches yourself might be a game changer. So let's jump into it with the first, the first area or the first topic that I tend to see come up over and over again. And I call it the pause button mentality. And the pause button mentality is really about getting trapped in that cycle of stopping and restarting again. So this might, this might be the person that says, I screwed up, I went on vacation, I'm just going to start over on Monday, or I'm just going to start over next fell month. Off the wagon. Exactly. I fell off the wagon. I hear that all the time, all the time. And there's a really comforting thought around knowing that you can start fresh. And I think, I think that's why New Year's resolutions are so popular. Because yeah. starting fresh after you've lost your way is, it's, really, it's a really secure feeling. Yeah. You get some like direction behind you that maybe you didn't have. And you can, it feels like a, a, a new start. But, and then here we are in July, and I think a lot of people gave up on their New Year's resolutions, you know, six months ago, unfortunately. Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can definitely take advantage of these cycles and motivation. You know, Mondays, the first of the month, July 1st, those can serve as great jumping off points. The problem is exactly what you just said, is that we're not able to maintain those high levels of motivation. So with this pause button mentality, there's a concept that I like to present to clients, which is called the dial method. And so when you think about the dial method, we're thinking about our fitness and nutrition efforts existing on a spectrum or a dial. And it can be really helpful to embrace what season you're in, knowing that you can dial up your efforts or dial down, but the key is to never turn your dial off completely. Right. Does that make right. sense? Oh, yeah. So the idea here is you have to work within the context of your real life. You might have crazy busy weeks, you might be a new parent. You might be coming up against challenges of travel, especially now that we're in the summer, travel is really common. 
And you may have given yourself these lofty definitions of what health, fitness, nutrition look like. And those may be unrealistic to sustain during certain seasons or certain weeks. So instead of pausing and saying, oh, I'm just going to throw in the towel, I'm going to get off the wagon and start over, you know, a couple weeks from now, I like to recommend, how about just turning your dial down? We're not going to turn it off. We're just going to turn it down a little bit. What would you like to set your dial at this week that feels doable and realistic? Because really, there's no pause button in life. A few weeks later, a month later, a year later, you're going to wish that instead of turning your dial off, that you just adjusted it a little bit. Right. Because that time is going to go by. With the dial thing is... I mean, we've we've used this ever since we've been together. It's sort of been a dot. We've talked about the dial and regardless of whether you turn the dial way up, because you can't maintain a 10 forever, uh, like a level 10 intensity is just not realistic for 99.9% of people in this world. But you can hit that at times. So like you could have a month where you're at an eight or a nine. And then you're inevitably you're going to come down. But the, uh, for me, the biggest thing is, like you said, don't turn it all the way off because once you stop completely, and I used to do that all the time, I'd go to the gym for two weeks, go hard, and then not go again for like a month or two because I burned myself out or, or whatever, whatever the excuse was. And so now if I can consistently keep like a six and then occasionally turn it up, and then occasionally we turn it down, like if we go on vacation or whatever, um, there's still some things happening. So like if we go on vacation, trying to stay active, going for a hike, taking a swim, I mean, whatever, trying to make some uh, better nutritional choices, like still enjoying the experience and, and uh, you know, living in the moment, but also keeping things in mind, just, you know, like maybe instead of having uh, six s'mores or whatever, you have two. Exactly. Or most of your food, you know, during while you're camping comes from, you know, protein and plants. And then you are able to have a s'more or two later and it'd be guilt free. Um, so that that's been really, really valuable for me over the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, something you just said kind of sparked this other idea, and it's another approach that people can consider is exactly what you said. Nobody can have their foot on the gas pedal. A hundred percent of the time. So it's really tough to maintain these rigid high expectations of ourselves and aim for that A plus day in, day out. Yeah. What I'll often recommend for people to consider is instead of focusing on hitting the A plus, what would a B or a B minus look like? Right. Because generally, if you're aiming just a little bit lower, you're almost lowering your expectations a little bit. But by aiming for your B minus or your B, you're actually able to find more consistency within that routine instead of finding yourself in this cycle of stop and restart. Well, and if you if you if you set your expectations a little bit lower, so like you keep your goals realistic, let's say that instead of I'm going to lower my expectations, I'm going to keep my goals realistic every time you meet 
one of these small achievements like, oh, I, you know, took a hike today and we're camping and I mostly and I, I hit my protein goal, for example. Man, those two things, your brain is automatically like you're hitting the reward center just like that. And so inevitably, it's human nature. You're going to want to keep the progress going because you know you can do it. You're not like maybe you're not killing yourself in the gym and having great workouts and nutri- your nutrition is dialed in, but you're still hitting the small goals that you set for yourself, which is, again, a cascading effect, which will help keep you on track. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That technique is called bright spots. And exactly what you're doing, you're noticing and you're calling out all of the good things, all of the Mm -hmm. efforts. And yes, that focusing on those rewards and those and those benefits, those immediate benefits that helps immensely with motivation and keeping this positive outlook. I love that. Yeah. Another thing as nutrition and health coaches that we hear a lot is about dieting trends. So a lot of people will say, what do you think about this diet? I heard about that diet. What's the best diet? And it's understandable that people would come with these questions because there's so much information out there and there's so many fad diets that it's very confusing. And when we're trying to lose weight, There's a lot of desperation that can come along with that. And so people often like the idea of a quick fix, which is what these fad diets tend to present as. Yeah. So typically, as a coach, we would take a really curious approach to this and ask things about, oh, what kind of diet do you want to explore? What benefits are you hoping to get from this approach? And then does this approach feel sustainable now? And then also in the future, the future being 10 years from now. Yeah. And so typically by asking these questions, you're allowing the client to come to their own conclusions, really. If they want to try intermittent fasting, if they want to try low carb, if they want to try this or that, that is fine. As their coach, I will support them in that. But also as their coach, I want to make sure every change that they're making now feels realistic and sustainable 10 years from now. After getting curious and understanding, okay, let's talk about this approach. Why are you interested in this? We've talked about this on the podcast before, but sometimes the client will say, okay, yeah, I don't think I want to do this fad diet. So what should I do instead? And I really like this idea of playing the meal transformation game. And we've played this before. And so I'll just give a brief overview of this. The the idea around the meal transformation game is to focus on leveling up your choices one meal at a time. So again, we're operating with the understanding that foods exist on a spectrum from less healthy to more healthy. And you can level up your choices by leaning into the choices that are on the more healthy side of the spectrum. The game operates in stages. Stage one is where you're at today. So you pick a meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or a snack, and you say, this is my typical choice. This is where I'm at, stage one. And then... 
all I would do is ask, all right, what would just a little bit better look like? And sometimes people know exactly what a little bit better looks like, and sometimes they don't, which is okay. And so I always like to throw out this idea of great ways to level up your choices are through adding. So often in dieting, we think of restriction, taking away or subtracting things from our diet, which can create a lot of resistance. No one wants to do that. No one wants to restrict or subtract. So I will often recommend, hey, great ways to level up are to add, add water, add vegetables, add protein, add fiber, so that it starts to give you a different perspective on, oh, I can actually bring in some abundance and nutrients into my diet versus taking things away. So really, the meal transformation game is all about every meal or whatever meal you're working on, see if you can slowly level up your choices over time. If you're at a one, try to level up to a two. If you're at a two, try to level up to a three. If you're at a three, try to level up to stage four. Yep. We've done this one on the pod. We've played that game on the podcast before. Yes. Yeah. And I've had a few clients where I'll kind of challenge them and say, spend a week. Anytime you level up your choice, no matter how small, shoot me a message. And it goes back to what you said about bright spots tracking is we're calling out and we're highlighting all of these wins. And it's actually really fun to get messages from people and they say, oh, guess what I did for breakfast? Or when I went out to eat, I split my meal in half instead of eating the whole thing myself. And it's a, it's a really fun way to do it. Yeah, the one thing I'll say, I'll add to that just real quick. I think everyone knows our opinions on diets, but like, just don't get married to your diet. People are like, I'm keto or I'm South Beach or I'm Weight Watchers. Like, don't make it part of your identity. It's a means to an end. So remember that when you're deciding on a plan that you want to use, whether it's lazy macros or keto or whatever, like Connor was saying, make sure it's sustainable and that you can do it long term because I've tried keto before and hated every second of it basically um so it just don't get married to it yeah I like that you said that I heard someone say once the best diet is the one that works the one that works for you that's in your right life. yeah whatever works for you that's right because like look you know keto and whatever else a lot of that stuff works for some people and a lot of it doesn't and that's okay you just got to find what works for you Yes, exactly. All right. So the next one I wanted to talk about is emotional eating. One thing I hear a lot is, you know, after dinner, I blow it. I completely blow it. Or I stress eat or I comfort eat. These are really common scenarios that I hear every day, every week from clients. And so We've talked about this on the podcast before, too, but I think it's worth re-mentioning, which is this idea of taking the discomfort deal. This is a deal that I offer to my clients. It's two weeks, and I ask them to spend the next two weeks where whenever they feel that emotional impulse to eat, they're going to sit with it in any form it takes for about five or ten minutes. 
The time frame doesn't really matter here. And then they're going to notice and name what they're feeling as best as they can. And then they're going to make whatever choice they want after that. So there's no wrong answer here. Their goal is to just practice sitting with that impulse and building their natural ability to tolerate discomfort. And we're trying to interrupt that pattern of seeking food to numb or to suppress these emotions. One thing I want to point out is the second part of this deal where you have to notice and name how you're feeling can be really tough for some people. It's tough for me. I have a really hard time naming my emotions. And Brene Brown, I think some people are familiar with her. She, she studies, one thing that she studies is emotions. And what she found is that most people can only recognize three emotions. Do you know what those three emotions are? Happy, angry, and... Man, what's the third one? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really close. It's happy, sad, and pissed off. Those are the three emotions that people can recognize. The reality is there's about 87 emotions. And so some clients have a hard time noticing and naming their feelings, I, which I do too. So in that case, what I would recommend is Google a needs and feelings inventory, a needs and feelings right. inventory, or a feelings list, print it out, have something that you can physically point to. So you can read through a list and you can almost highlight, oh, yes, I'm feeling that. Ooh, I'm feeling that. Oh, I'm totally feeling that. And it's, so, it's just really helpful to have that tool as you yeah. learn to identify how you're feeling in those moments. I think, I think a lot of people even struggle to get past two emotions, happy and angry, um, yeah. because a lot of emotions like guilt and embarrassment and uh, sadness and uh, you know, whatever, anything that goes along with those, come, it tends to come out as anger. I remember like, when, when I worked with the kids, it was either they were in a awesome mood they were happy smiling or they were pissed off and they were trying to fight you and whatever there was no in between and so part of working with them was teaching them there's a whole wide range of emotions and you can feel embarrassed and that comes out as anger and you start to lash out because you're embarrassed but it's okay to be embarrassed or guilty or whatever and just feel that instead of it coming out as anger so, and we're all guilty of it. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I, I use the term a lot, my caveman reaction, because we're all sort of wired that way. Like, it's a defense mechanism. It's not to show weakness. It, you know, we have to work to identify these feelings, and it's, it's challenging, especially if you didn't go, like, grow up in a way that encouraged that type of emotional identification. So, your caveman brain is important, but also... You got to keep it in check. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. I, I never want anyone to overlook the power of being able to notice and name your feelings, because if you give yourself permission to acknowledge how you're feeling, that actually helps release the feeling. 
versus what we tend to do when we feel discomfort, which is to suppress or numb it with something else, with food, with alcohol, whatever it might be. Yeah. All right. So the next scenario that's pretty common is mindful eating. I'll have a lot of clients come to me saying, I want to watch my intake. I want to eat more mindfully. Mindful eating can mean a lot of... I was going to say, it's kind of a big buzzword. It is, yeah. It, it tends to mean a lot of different things. So I'll often ask people, you know, what does a mindful eater look like to you? And depending on what they say, that might help set up some action steps that they can follow. But some really fun and clever approaches that you can take if you also are sitting there saying, yeah, I would love to be a more mindful eater. Um, I often relate mindful eating to slowing down, slowing down and paying attention to what we're eating and the process of eating. And there's a few really fun, clever things that you can do. The, the strategy is called wine tasting your food. So what I'll say, what my prompt would be to someone is, all right, for the next week or two, try wine tasting your food. And most people understand that as it's a practice of chewing slowly, sniffing, savoring your food as if it were a fine wine. You're trying to involve all of your senses in that moment. Yeah. So I know you, I'm a wine drinker, so I relate to this a lot. I know you aren't a wine drinker, so I might relate it to something that you do like. Okay, maybe bourbon. Maybe bourbon tastes yeah. your food would be a good one for you. Or most people understand this idea of what a food critic does for a living. So sometimes I'll say, why not go out to dinner? and pretend you're a fancy food critic, what would they do? How would they enjoy their meal? And most people can say things like, oh, you know, it's an experience. They're savoring, they're smelling, they're chewing, they're really lingering on every single flavor. And so I really like that as a technique for slowing down and becoming that mindful eater. Yeah, be a food critic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then the other idea that sometimes I'll throw out is, especially in social eating situations, where it's really easy to get caught up in the eating frenzy that can happen. And then you're kind of eating mindlessly and quickly. In those situations, I will ask them to play another game and I'll say, what do you think about playing be the last to finish? So if you're at a table, if you're sitting around in a group, kind of play this game with yourself of I'm going to be the last to finish out of this group of six people. I'm going to slow the F down and I'm going to savor my food and I'm going to be the slowest eater here. I, I had this. It was probably in college. I attended this yoga class and the instructor did something really cool, which was a cookie meditation. And she she gave everyone in the class a chocolate chip cookie. And we sat there for probably 10 minutes. We looked at the cookie. 
We smelled the cookie. We studied the cookie. <laughs> we appreciated the cookie. We nibbled the cookie. We chewed everything really slowly and tried to identify all the flavors from that cookie. It was the most in-depth process I've ever done when eating a cookie, but it was probably the best cookie I've ever had. I'm just sitting there thinking about the whole class of people doing this, and it's just, yeah. I, I'm, it, is, it is like great to do stuff like that, but it's even funnier to sit and think about what it looked like. <laughs> I think also it highlights the fact that it's a practice. We have to practice these things. It, I, as a fellow fast eater, it is something I constantly have to do, which is to slow down when I'm eating. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle with that too. Efficient eating. Efficient eating, yeah. All right, so there's a few more that I wanted to talk about. The next one is willpower. This is very, very common. I had someone just this week message me and say, if only I had more willpower, I could stop eating junk. That's what they said. And as a coach, we hear that all the time. And it's something that everyone can relate to. My favorite author, who you've heard me talk about before, who's James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, his yep. solution to willpower is environment. And the beauty of focusing on your environment is it requires no, no willpower. You, right. don't, you don't have to white knuckle it. You don't have to clench your teeth. And the idea is to become an architect of your environment and make your environment match your goals. You want your environment to work with you not against you. So here we're talking about doing some sort of kitchen makeover and you want to make healthy foods easy and obvious to access. So think about healthy options at eye level in the fridge, eye level in your pantry, fruit bowls sitting on your countertops, and then you want to make less healthy options hard or difficult to get to. So this might mean removing certain foods altogether. So if you have foods that are especially triggering and you have a hard time controlling portions with, maybe don't bring those foods into the house altogether or maybe pre-portion those things. You can buy individually portioned things of chips and pretzels and snacks like that. Yeah. Um, or put them out of sight. You know, someone said something very clever to me in that when we think about our refrigerators, the fruit and vegetable drawers are essentially the basement of the fridge. We almost hide away these really healthy options in those bottom drawers when actually those are the foods that we should bring out and put right at eye level when we open the fridge. And then maybe, so maybe flip those foods and put unhealthy options hidden away in the basement of your fridge and then bring out the fruits and vegetables and stick them up nice and high so you can see them. Yeah, that's something that we've done a good job in our house with is if like if we had ice cream in the freezer, I'd eat ice cream every day. 
like bottom line, no doubt in my mind, it would happen. If there was chips in the cupboard, I would eat chips every day. Um, I've learned after 30 years of being on this planet that I don't have a whole lot of willpower. And if it's in my immediate area, I'm going to have it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to eat a lot of it. Um, and so we just, we just don't have this stuff in the house or if we do, you have to make it, um, which it, which also helps a lot to, uh, mitigate the constant exposure. Cause it's all in like, we have cookies, but there's flour and there's sugar and there's butter and there, you know, all these, it, we have cookies in the house, but you have to there's make a them. barrier. <laughs> yeah. There's a barrier. And, and, yeah. So I th- that's a really easy way. And it's harder if you have like kids and stuff. But at the same time, like sort of getting the kids on board with this because they're going to want these foods. But if you can get them on board with, well, we just don't keep that stuff in the house. Then it, it gets easier for everybody. So I would inc- I would highly encourage this strategy to anybody who struggles with I'm using air quotes willpower because willpower is a fleeting resource. Um, and you can only like I can only walk to the freezer so long and look at ice cream before I'm like fuck it, I'm eating this ice cream. <laughs> yeah, man, you you hit on two really good points. The idea that willpower is a limited resource. There's been tons of research on willpower. Willpower draws from the same energy stores as everything else. So that's why right. naturally we feel more resolve and willpower early in the day and less willpower as the day goes on. Right. That's why most unwanted eating happens at nighttime after dinner is we're tired, we're drained, and so is our willpower. So I'm glad you highlighted that because there are people out there saying, oh, I, I just have really bad willpower or I don't have willpower. Yeah. Welcome to the club. So does everybody else except for like 1% of the population. Yes. You're a human being. Welcome to the club. Same here. I'm raising my hand. I also have terrible willpower. Um, you brought up another important point, which is to say, you know, most people live with other people who have different food preferences. So sometimes when I recommend this kitchen clean out or becoming an architect of your environment, I'll get a little bit of pushback because people will say, well, you know, I have this snack food and this junk food in the house because I have kids or my partner likes this or my spouse likes this. And I get it. I get it. So you eat a lot more cheese with me in the house than you used to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really true. Uh, a lot more pizza, too, <laughs> which is not yeah. a, it's not a bad thing. I think that those foods have enriched my life more than anything else. Pizza is good for you. Yeah. But I think you said something (laughs) important, which is why not bring these people on as a part of your support system? Why not open up a conversation and say, I really need your help with this. I can't do this alone. Let's work together to build a healthier household rather than feeling like you have all of these minefields in your kitchen and in your pantry that you're trying to avoid with this junk food that's around. If that's not possible, I would focus on small steps. So we're using this example of ice cream. Instead of buying 
gallons of ice cream and stockpiling your freezer with them because your kids and your partner might like them and they're not willing to give that up, why not just reducing the portions of those foods that you're keeping in the house? So right, lots, exactly. of, lots of ice cream companies are making individual sized, you know, ice cream bars and little cups of ice cream that you can have instead of having those gallons that you're scooping out of. So you can also consider that as a small stepping stone if you have other people in your household or opt to put them out of sight. So maybe the kids have a container, a closed container in the pantry that's kids snacks and you you stock it with kids snacks or husband snacks and they they can go in there and get their snacks out of that container but you don't see them they're either on the bottom yeah. shelf or they're on the top shelf of the pantry and it's almost right. like out of sight out of mind yeah it's tough but getting your family on board will make a huge difference and i can i can speak to that because getting once once i moved in with connor things have changed quite a bit and all for the better <laughs> you have a snack drawer and I actually don't go into your snack drawer very often. Yeah, but, but those, they're, but they're even still snacks. those, yeah, those are still like wholesome, good. It's you know like meat sticks and or it's all organic, grass fed stuff that I take to work. So it's not like I, you know, you're you're putting cookies in there for me. It's like it's still, but I get it. I want that. I want that too. And I realize that if I just kept that stuff in the house, because that's I have been notorious for doing that then i just eat it and it's not it it doesn't work well for me (laughs) me too yeah me too that's why that's why we got to try really hard not to keep it around all right so i have two more two more common scenarios that pop up a lot the next one is negative self-talk so there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs and when you talk to someone you can usually start to pick up on what those are. And so if it's something I'm noticing, I'll usually reflect that language back to them. Here's what I hear you saying. You're saying, I'm lazy. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. So you kind of reflect that language back to them so that they can hear it. And then there's a great exercise that I learned in change psychology, which is to, to name your inner critic, your inner critic being that negative voice that exists in all of us. So we all have this voice in our head that likes to whisper and say these terrible things. And so by naming your inner critic, I'll often tell people, This is your homework assignment. Step away, have fun with it, get creative, and name that negative inner voice. And they'll come back. I had one, I had one client name their inner voice cricket. (laughs) But people get pretty, pretty fun with their with their inner voices. And sometimes it's, you know, lazy Larry or I don't know. There's just people are can be really clever with it. But By naming your inner voice, it allows you to step back and become an objective observer of what that voice is saying. So no longer. Here's the thing too, Mm -hmm. with those inner 
there's there's a lot of times there's many parts right there's multiple voices that you're gonna have and i've done some inner work uh when i was doing therapy in the past where the whole point was to identify these parts of you because i i envisioned it like this you're sitting in a circle and it's like a it's like an aa meeting type thing and you've got all the parts of you there because everyone has a, a couple different parts so for me it was you know me and then it was uh there was the viking me and then there was a little old man protective me and then there was a little boy who is sad and always scared and like wanted comfort and those were the parts of me so like the whole purpose of the exercise and this was some emotional shit like we did um like the, it was crazy the questions i mean anyway but you're stepping back and being able you have to be able to lead these parts and recognize them not just shove them down and say no you're going here and you're going to shut up and whatever because eventually they're going to come out and they're all critical of one of they're all critical of each other and they're all critical of you all at the same time and so getting them to work together and being a leader of of the different parts of you is ultimately what's going to lead you to success you have to master those parts but if you don't even know what they are and you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know what they're from, whatever, then you're never gonna you're never gonna quiet the voices. They're always gonna be there. Um they all wanna be heard too. And that's the thing, is if you can hear them and acknowledge them and then say, Okay, and this is actually what we're gonna do now. Thank you for I appreciate your input, but like, no. Uh, you know, little Corey over there who wants comfort, we're not gonna uh, you know, eat a gallon of ice cream every day because that's can be comforting. We're going to do this instead. And no, Viking Corey, we're not going to criti- criticize everyone and go at everyone like crazy because that's not the way either. So like combining those together and understanding that they all play a role and then moving forward with that knowledge is more critical than people understand. That's like, that's the part of these things that is going to put you over the edge. Everything will be possible for you once you can get over yourself. <laughs> you are your only roadblock. Yeah, the what you just highlighted is the fact that this inner work, this inner thought work is a process and it starts with building awareness around these different parts of you or these different voices and taking the time. It takes months to be able to do that. Yeah, taking the time to do that is really important. Because then it allows you to step into your, your current self and really take the reins. And I liked what you said about leading. I'm going to be leading these different parts of me. And you can now see how they're showing up and you can call them out and you can almost talk to them as these, these different pieces of you. That's, that was the exercises you would, you would talk to, like, um, my therapist would talk, to, he would ask those parts. He said, Hey, can I talk to this part of you? Can I talk to, can I talk to him? Do I have permission to talk to him? It's like, and you can't, you have your eyes shut. And it's sort of like a, you're in like, it's like hypnosis. It, that's almost what it was, was like a hypnotic state where all the barriers come down and that part of you talks and it comes out and it, and you have to be comfortable enough with a person to share that stuff. But it takes time, A, to identify that stuff, and then B, to actually like have those conversations. Because I would leave I would leave some of these therapy sessions, and I'm a pretty well-adjusted adult, and that's the thing is, 
everybody could use this. It's not just people who have really, really serious traumatic past. It's anybody. Everyone has these things. So it took me, a pretty well-rounded adult, a while to get through this. And it was extremely emotional. I like was, especially near the end, um, in some of the more intense sessions, I was breaking down in tears pretty regularly. And that's good. That's good. That's progress. And that it was absolutely healing. And that led me to get over a lot of professional anxiety and trauma that I had as far as like work stuff. And then also eating. Uh, I mean, I'd never had a eating diagnose or an eating disorder diagnosed, but I would be the first one to say like, yeah, I definitely had some sort of like binge eating problem. I still binge occasionally, but it's not, it's never been at the like emotionally crippling way that it was a couple of years ago. And this was like two years ago, like when we were in Reed city, this was fairly recent, but the benefits have been overwhelming and allowed for so many other things to be explored instead of just like banging my head on that wall. Um, you can kind of get over that, but like it takes maintenance work. It, it doesn't just go away. It, you always have to sort of be in touch with that stuff. And that's part of being human. You have to know your demons and sort of dance with them. Um, and a lot of people have gone through a lot of worse shit than I have, and they dance with their demons and they've become really successful doing it. So you can't be a victim. Like you can't be a victim to your circumstance just because you've had a rough go of it or whatever. Don't, you can't be a victim. If you take that victim mindset, you're going to be stuck forever and you're never going to make progress. This this thought work is really important, and I think you highlighted the fact that you don't have to sort through this by yourself. Working with someone, working with a trained therapist around these topics can be really helpful. For me, as a nutrition coach, I, I will often recommend counseling or therapy for me, I can stay in scope by helping the person identify these inner parts, this inner voice, you know, separate themselves a little bit by naming that inner voice. And then I'll often recommend keeping a thought journal for the next week. Anytime you hear that inner voice or these different parts of you talking, I want you to make a note of what they're saying. So really, we're just building awareness. That's the first step is we have to build awareness and you have to start identifying these voices and then you can start to be able to sort them out, quiet them if you need to, or take the reins when you need to. Right, right. Yep, so, absolutely. But yeah, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because therapy can be very, very healing path. Okay, there's one more common scenario that I hear a lot, which is around motivation. So very often I will hear people say, I'm just not feeling motivated right now. How relatable is that? Yeah, it's extremely relatable. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling motivated this week. I'm just not feeling into it right now. I actually see this a lot when it's been a month or two and working with a nutrition coach or working whatever program they're on, the, the newness and the novelty has kind of worn off. We're past the honeymoon phase. 
And now we're in this boring, monotonous phase of reinforcing and fortifying habits. And listen, I get it. Routines and habit building are boring. They're boring. And it's normal. It's normal for motivation to ebb and flow. And Bones and I just did a podcast on this topic of whenever you feel your training getting stagnant. And that's a great one to go back and listen to. It's a great episode. There's a lot of good tips if you're feeling kind of stuck in your training. But in general, there's tons of different approaches you can take if you're feeling these dips in motivation. One, one strategy and exercise that I really like to give people is called destination postcard. And this is where you write a postcard from your future self to your current self that would inspire and motivate you. And I'll say, what would that postcard say? Because honestly, I can, I can offer encouragement and support, but me just saying, this will pass, you can do it. It sounds like a bumper sticker that I'm reading. It's very, oh, yeah. it's very shallow. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I can share quotes and I can offer encouragement all I want, but honestly, you're going to give yourself the best advice and even better, you're going to step into your future self, the person you're becoming, and you're going to write a postcard or a letter to your current self. That's the best pep talk you can get right there. Right. Most people, when I give them this exercise as a homework assignment, they say the most wonderful things to themselves. They show themselves so much kindness and grace. They talk about practicing patience and perseverance and how this will pass. And it's so, as a coach, it's so lovely and wonderful to read these postcards. And it's a great way for someone to give themselves those words of wisdom that they need in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that can, that postcard can come in a lot of different ways. I know in in the last episode, you and Bones, you talked about me a little bit and my like, uh, what's next type thing and feeling like what's next and Bones planned a pro or uh, programmed a workout for me this week that was called the ranger it was like a hero workout like in crossfit they have the hero workouts and it was like a hero workout about me and it was a story about my journey and why it's important and man it was like the most emotionally investing invested workout i've ever had i ranged from like i don't know just pride and visualization of where I've come from and how hard I had to work to get here. And it puts things into a clear focus. And it's so easy for that to like dissipate because like two days after that, you get like some stuff thrown at you at work that makes you question everything. But it's like, no, this is, I know why I do this. I know why I'm here. And that's where like having a good coach comes into such like, an important role because they're there to bring that stuff back into focus for you or like a coach or a loved one or whatever. Um, but having that helps make it real again, instead of like, cause you live in those moments. It's so fleeting 
when it's like, oh man, I'm at the top of the mountain. I've like reached my goal. And then it's like, well, what's next? And you forget how far you've actually come and how good it felt to get there. And having that, you know, it ended up being a 10 minute workout, having that 10 minute workout where I was just totally focused and like not thinking about anything else except for my journey was very special. And I thanked him already, but when you listen to this bones, thank you again. It was really great. (laughs) Um, and just, it's important to, so you're the postcard to yourself can come in lots of different ways and you just have to be open to it and receptive to, to what it might say. I love that he wrote that workout for you and that when you were doing it, you've really gotten to the headspace of reflecting on where you've come from and stepping back and getting that perspective. It's, yeah. it's interesting that these, these peak fleeting moments of happiness and pride and excitement almost always come after periods or seasons of darkness and suffering. Seriously, yeah, that's true. true. And I think acknowledging that, I think the postcard exercise kind of acknowledges that. You know, you're in a tough spot right now. This will pass. You'll get through this. And you have so much to look forward to. I think that's kind of the goal of the exercise. So, but those were, those were seven, seven common scenarios I typically see. And then those are some different, maybe fun approaches that people can test out. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, a, a bonus eighth one, just real quick, is making sure you have you share gratitude and you feel a lot of gratitude for whatever those around you, anything, keep it simple. But cause if you're in a, if you're in a mindset of gratitude, it's hard to be in a mindset of a victim, you know, being a victim or, you know, anything, woe is me. And I know, I notice that a lot for me, if I allow myself to focus on the really negative thoughts that come up, I mean, nothing is sunshine and rainbows, even though like the last two years of my life have been the best of, of that I've experienced. There's still moments of darkness and there's still moments of negativity. And it's really easy to get focused on that and hold grudges and, uh, you know, wish that things could be different. But in reality, if you can just be grateful and, enjo- and just focus on that, it'll make things so much better. And speaking of gratitude, we would be really grateful if you guys went on Apple Podcasts and left us a rating and a review. We're making a really big push for more ratings and more reviews. We want to get our, uh, we want to grow our audience to even even bigger realms than we're currently in. Um, and so, if you leave a rating and a review, please somehow get a hold of us. We're on Instagram at the Weekly Warrior Podcast. We're on Facebook, the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Um, get a hold of us. Send us your address, and we will get you some swag. I know that's the bribe that everybody gets, but really, we're really determined to try to grow our audience, and leaving ratings and reviews is the way to do it. Um, The more ratings and reviews you get, the more visible you become with searches, and the more Apple Podcasts will push the podcast. So, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week as we continue to discover our warrior within.